Hello, and welcome. This is the What If I Told You podcast, a show that has left Earth to join the land of the fairies. Finally. It's about time. (laughs) I would love to live with some fairies. Listen, me too. I I would prefer them to be like, not like two inches tall though. I much prefer the, the large fairy theory yeah i'm i'm thinking like the elves from lord of the rings you know they're they look human they've got the pointed ears to tell you they're not i guess a cord of what the fuck is that those uh thorns and roses Mm-hmm. yeah they're regular size Mm-hmm. that we know i think most of the like contemporary fantasy the fairies in those are human-esque. Right, they just have pointy ears. Yeah, because how else are they supposed to do it with the humans that are also in the book if they are not human-esque? Right. You right. Know? Actually, I have <laughs> heard people talk about, like, when you get in the the deep down in the bowels of the smut, it gets weird. And I'm like, you know what? No thanks. Yeah, I've not gotten there. Um, <laughs> Me I don't plan on it either. No. I just, I see people on TikTok, like, talk about the weirdest shit that they're into, and I'm like, hey, hey, no thank you. We don't have to talk about it. You know, you don't have to tell me. Yeah. I didn't ask. I have been seeing, um, this one guy on TikTok, he goes over, like, the most fucked up books he's been reading. Like, the horror books? Yeah. Oh, I've, I think I've seen that guy, too. I think I'm gonna dip my toe in that. Into some horror? I've only read, like, a couple, like, scary books. Mm-hmm. Um, or, like, suspenseful books. Mm-hmm. Again, like, movies, it's hard for me not to find things, like, that cheesy. Yeah. Um, which then makes me concerned about my own mental state. Yeah. But <laughs> there's a lot of good suggestions on there. Yeah. So we'll see. I've actually never, aside from, like, the one-off Stephen King novel, I've never read any horror novels. We should. Um, that should be our 2022 goal. To read a horror novel? Yeah. I'm down for that. Okay. I'll usually read anything. Besides fairy smut? Yeah, I think that's where they draw the line. Okay. Um, I'm just not... I'm not super into reading gratuitous sex scenes. Yeah, no. Dabbled in, fine. I mean, you know... It just... If it enhances the story. Yeah. That's that's the thing. Like, if there's an overarching story that's com- that's got me enthralled. Right. But then the main character has a little tryst. Right. I'm fine with that. We don't need a seven-page scene. Mm-mm. I don't need you to tell me about his velvet-wrapped steel multiple times in one page. I can't. Please. Please. I can't handle that. Um, speaking of fairy smut, I don't know if you saw my latest note in the Google Doc that we have, but I started rewatching The Walking Dead. Okay. Um. Oh, you told me this yesterday when I saw you. Oh. Not yesterday. Friday. Friday. Oh, whatever. Whatever day it was. I just passed the episode where they were at the CDC and then it exploded, you know? Right. <clears throat> it is so fucking good, dude. Dude. I'm like sitting there like so this on my stomach watching it like i've never seen it before it's just so fucking it's so perfect yes it is i vividly remember watching for the first time dakota and i just we had just finished breaking bad and we were both kind of like no show is ever going to be as good as breaking bad and then we started watching the walking dead and it was just like I think at that point, there had already been, like, four seasons released. Yeah, I was late to it also. So, we just had four full seasons of shit to watch. So, we would stay up till like, 2 o'clock in the morning just... And the first four are the best. Yeah. Like... Yeah. Atlanta through prison. Mm-hmm. Because I think four is the prison. I, yes, I think four is the prison. Yeah. Um, two through three or farm. Yeah. I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the first season in particular, I would argue, is just 
perfection. There's literally nothing wrong with it. No. No. I don't... That's the only way to describe it. I really enjoy the prison season. I liked the prison season. Dakota hated it. He... He did. He didn't ever like it if they were in one place for too long. Oh, agreed. He's he liked. I think he liked when they first got to the prison. But he's like, all right, I'm ready for you to leave now. Like, yeah. this isn't. What, you're just gonna hold. How are you gonna make TV out of this? Right. You're supposed to be fighting the walkers. Get out. Yeah. Go struggle. Get out there and struggle. I want to see some people die. Yeah. So. That yeah. Was why. It's been. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I know it's like March, and it's not really like spooky season. It is storm season, though. This is true. Maybe all seasons are spook seasons. So, side note, I'm mm-hmm. since we got a new washer and dryer, I'm selling my old washer and dryer. Yeah. And there's way too many people messaging me, and it's too much for me to handle. Yeah. Are you selling it on Facebook? Yeah. Yeah. It's the it's the only fucking way. Yeah. You can't trust Craigslist and somebody'll come up into your spot with like a machete. Right. I so. Yeah, I don't think the kind people of the town that I live in are machete welders. So <clears throat> Anyways, yeah, probably not. So. Um this morning we're having Starbucks because it's morning and it's Sunday. It's Sunday. Um, for some reason, the Starbucks in the town that I live refuses to give me a venti and what Maddie drinks from there. They literally say we can only go up to a grande on the nitro cold brew. And I was like, well, I don't know what you want me to do with that. I need more. So I got her a grande and a tall and they gave me a venti cup, which by the way, when you pour a grande into a venti, it's like all the way up to here yeah like so this is like four extra dollars of coffee yeah see whenever whenever i was younger in my i don't know like late teens early 20s i was hanging out at the specific starbucks uh, like a lot Mm -hmm. uh with a group of friends we were just there always. And so we got to know the baristas. One of them's name was Matt, and I'm pretty sure he was instrumental in saving me from getting kidnapped one time. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Thanks, Matt. That, that's a real top-notch move on your part. Um, but we used to hang out there. We hung out there so often for multiple years, like from age 18 until I was probably like 22. Mm-hmm. And, um, he told me, he was like, hey, you always order a venti, but then you ask me, you ask to leave room for half and half Mm -hmm. in your coffee. He's like, ask me for a grande in a venti cup, and it's the perfect amount of room for your half and half. And I was like, fuck, yeah. Hmm. And so anytime I ever order regular coffee that I need to add my own milk to... I always order a grande and a venti cup. I think that might be common knowledge now. It could be. I didn't know that. It could be. But uh, back in the day, it was not. So he he saved me a lot of money because I was also poor at the time. So. Yeah, I'm surprised they didn't charge me for the venti cup. Yeah. Because Starbucks is stingy as fuck. They are super fucking stingy. They're like, oh, you want a half a pump of this well that's 80 cents gee thanks what's dakota cooking i don't know it smells very savory for 9 30 a.m on a sunday mm. it could be he could be like heating up a brat we mm. had brats the other night i uh, love a good brat yeah yeah we had a pineapple and an ale brat that was when dallas was over that was friday night Brody really wants to get a, what are they called? The fancy new things? A Blackstone? Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Just simply for breakfast purposes, but. Yeah, what else do people use those giant <clears throat> griddles for? It's a flat top. What um, else are you going to use it for? My brother-in-law uses it for a bunch of things. But my only thought is breakfast. 
Yeah, because, I mean, we also want to get, like, a new, like, charcoal grill. I prefer a charcoal grill. So does Dakota. Um, and you don't really need anything fancy for a charcoal grill. Yeah. He, he is in the market for a new one. He wants a new, like, big one because ours is pretty small. Um, but he's having a hard time finding one that he likes that's still like charcoal because he doesn't he doesn't like the pellet and he doesn't like the gas so he wants he wants to build his own fires well and with the charcoal you can like customize what you're doing that's right you can do like some hickory chips on top yeah you know yeah he does he gets wild with whatever when he grills so it just totally different flavor yeah that's what he prefers so I don't have much of an opinion, to be honest. So, it's his thing. He, you know, do whatever you want. So. I don't, we don't have a chips corner. No. Great. Chip, what's up? He did send us a weird picture. I have no idea what that photo was, by the way. You've never heard of that? No, what is that? a few years ago. Um, that is Wayfair.com. Oh, that's the Wayfair thing? Yeah, and you can, I don't know if it's still up there today, but when that was happening, you could, I, you could even get on Wayfair and, like, search for, like, utility cabinet, and you would see the ones on there that were, like, twelve, fourteen thousand dollars Mm-hmm. Weird. That's super weird. I mean, and it even shows, like, you know... Abs- why would a five shelf storage cabinet be 13 grand? Yeah. See, I did, I do remember hearing about the Wayfair shit that was going on, but I didn't ever read into it. I didn't ever look into what the Wayfair situation was. There were some memes um, that were kind of funny. Like, it would be like a picture of like a an adult man and like a 10 year old boy. And it's like, just teaching my Wayfair child how to play catch. Ooh, awkward. <laughs> uh, so is that what it was? Like human trafficking? That's what they think. Yeah. I never looked too far into it, but we could. For, yeah, we could We could look into it. I, from, do, I do be liking Wayfair, though. I know. See, from what that looked like to me, which Wayfair doesn't have, like, third-party sellers that post on there right but what that photo looks like is like somebody posting like in a facebook marketplace situation posting for one thing with the name and a price but that being code for whatever now these see look that pillow Mm -hmm. 10 grand yeah but the like yeah that those are like screenshots from wayfair and i think this is just like matching up the like, names. Sto- yeah, yeah. So I don't. I don't know. Yeah, that's the names matching up with the products is what made me think that that looked like a third party seller advertising like a pillow, quote unquote, but it's code for human. Human. Oh, that's super fucked up. This is that's shit that's on the dark web. I'm sure. Yeah. I don't know anything about the dark web. (laughs) I don't even know how you get on it. I don't want to try. And we should not try on your computer. Um, no. Something's nice as fuck. Yeah, we're definitely not going to try to get on the dark web. But I just want someone to tell me how. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to buy a burner laptop. We're not going to do that. We're not going to... For legal purposes, that was a joke. Listen, I don't want to see what's on the dark web. I just want to know what, like... I just want to know what's on the dark web. (laughs) (laughs) Is it... I just... It's probably dark. We could probably buy some weird shit. Mm Mm-hmm. We could start, like, a human bone collection. Dude. We've been thinking about decorating the pod pad. You know what? You that, know what a flex it would be if someone came in. They're like, "Wow, that's where do you get these Hobby Lobby?" Like, no, those are real. Those are from the dark web, bro. 
Dallas was literally talking to me about, uh, he was talking about Ed Gein and the nipple belt. And he's like, listen, have you done the math on the nipple belt? How many it? nipples? Yeah. And I was but like, here's no. the thing. Is areola also? It had has to have been. To have, has to have included the areola. Okay. So we, we did the math on how many nipples it would have taken to make a belt. And he was like, well, let's just take someone who wears like a size 34 pants you're probably going to need, you're going to need at least 20 nipples, probably. Probably more. I mean, if you're thinking like, okay, that's like an inch-ish. Yeah. A, a fully across, you're probably looking at an inch and a half yeah. per areola. Right. Because they vary, of course. Because they vary, yeah. I mean, you might have some that are little, like a, a man's nipple. Right. I wonder if he, like, tried to match up the sizes. So it would be somewhat consistent. So he would have, like, symmetrical nipples all the way around. Right. Yeah. But either way, that means that he had to go to, at minimum, like, 10 or 12 graves to collect the nipples of 10 or 12 people. To have enough for a full belt. I mean, they were flat, too. It wouldn't even yeah. be, like, aesthetically pleasing. Yeah. Because, I mean, you would think, like, I mean... It had to have been. Yeah, I mean, there wouldn't. The only reason a nipple is not flat is because there's blood going to it, which makes it protrude. Right. And obviously, if they're dead, there's no blood. Mm. It's a flat nipple. I feel differently about the nipple belt now. Yeah. Because it probably didn't even really. I mean, it. I just feel like dead nipples probably don't really. <laughs> Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> we have to move on. We have to stop it. Okay, so um, we're drinking Starbucks. I've not eaten. Um, I ate some eggs and hash browns. We have no chips corner because Because he's, he's fallen down on the job. Um, it was Chip's birthday last week, I yeah. think. We talked about that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Today, since our last couple episodes have been so sad, mm -hmm. we are going to get into like a like a mystery lore yeah. situation. Yeah, I think we could call this folklore. Absolutely. Because it's so fucking old. It's super old. We are going to be talking about the green children of Woolpit. <laughs> it's this is like a pretty light episode none yeah. of it's really sad yeah it's not super sad it's interesting interesting none of it is for sure no but it's, it's fun to listen to it's fun it's kind of you know reminiscent of uh like cropsy you know yeah a little it, bit you know so except it's from 12th century england which I personally love uh, 12th century. Well, I think, honestly, if I was going to pick any century to live in, it would have been the 16th. But whatever. I mean, it was a good time. Yeah. You're right at the beginning of, of some shit at the 12th century. Because those first 11, whoa. They were a little unpredictable. Yeah. Stinky, I would assume. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure the 12th was also. <laughs> the 12th was certainly pretty stinky. Um, do you want me to do who were, and then you can do story, and then... Yeah. Cool. <clears throat> so, this is also the oldest story. This is the oldest story we've ever done. Yeah. The legend of the green children of Woolpit concerns two children of unusual skin color who reportedly appeared in a village of Woolpit of I, I fucking hate saying this Suffolk Suffolk, England sometime in the 12th century perhaps during the reign of King Stephen is it Stephen or Stephen? It's Stephen Stephen um, which was 1135 to 1154 <gasps> so when we say green children like it's not their last name it's like the color of them <laughs> they are green people they are green <laughs> um, it was a brother and a sister 
who were generally like normal in appearance except for the green color of their skin. They also spoke in an unknown language and would eat only raw broad beans. Um, yeah, broad beans, uh, I looked them up. They're kind of like uh, the pea family. Okay. Right, so it's like peas, the legume situation. I yeah. don't know. So that's, so raw peas, That think of, think of that. They're gross. Yeah. That's probably why they're green. Yeah. <laughs> Spoiler alert. <laughs> Eventually, they learned to eat other food and uh, lost their green color. Yep. But the boy was sickly and died soon after he and his sister were baptized. Uh, he probably got pneumonia or something. Yeah. The girl adjusted to her new life, but she was considered to be rather loose and wanton in her conduct. Um, so they're saying that... I don't know. She was kind of a hoe, I guess. Yeah, I think that's that's what loose and wanton meant in well, the 12th century. Right, right. So she was a whore. But she could have not been. Right. She probably just showed a little ankle now and then. Right. Yeah. They so. probably saw, like, her neck from, like, chin to clavicle. Yeah. They're like, <laughs> is that a clavicle? I mean. Whore? <laughs> I just don't know what she was thinking. I mean, come on. After she learned to speak English, the girl explained that she and her brother had come from St. Martin's Land, which was a subterranean world inhabited by green people. That's amazing. I would like to be there. Me too. I would not like to be green, though. I think I could I could be green. Are yeah. we talking like yeah. olive green, um, lime mm. green, sickly green? I think... I would go with like a like a sage green. I was thinking forest green. Yeah. So yeah, or like a mint green. I would I would rock mint. That would be. Yeah. Do I get do my eyeballs get to be mint green too? Because I think that's that would be a true flex. Probably. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Cool. The only near contemporary accounts are contained in William of Newburgh's Historia Rerum Anglicarum. Anglicarum. That's what I was totally going to say. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to say Anglicarum. <laughs> and Ralph of Coggeshall's. Cr- Listen. Chronicum Anglicanum. Yeah. So clearly one of us has been in college for some time and the other <laughs> one has a PhD from their hometown. <laughs> Written in about 1189 and 1220, respectively. Mm-hmm. Between then and their rediscovery in the mid-19th century, the green children seemed to surface only in a passing mention in William Camden's Britannia in 1586 and in two works from the early 17th century robert burton's the anatomy of melancholy and bishop francis godwin's fantastical the man in the moon with an e Mm. moon a (laughs) (laughs) for all of which william of newburgh's account is used so i essentially what this is saying is the work of william of newburgh is basically the standard that is the precedent of which we are basing this whole story around is the newberg account although i do we do uh i do reference william and ralph of coggeshall so both of the anglicums are used (laughs) i don't like it (laughs) i want you to leave that last part in Two approaches of dominated explanations of the story of the green children. Um, that it is a folk tale describing an imaginary encounter with the inhabitants of another world, perhaps subterranean or extraterrestrial, or it presents a real event in a garbled manner. The story was praised as an ideal fantasy by the English anarchist poet and critic Herbert Reed. I really hate the name Herbert. Yeah. 
Um, in his English pro se style, published in ni- uh, prose. Prose. Oh my fucking god. Prose style, published in 1931. <laughs> I can't. You should have read this part. <laughs> I didn't even. <laughs> and provided in the inspiration for his only novel, The Green Child, written in 1934. Yeah. <clears throat> prose is essentially anything that is not poetic. So, like, Perfect. any novel you read is prose. Perfect. So. You know, of course, that's the only word I just stumbled upon that wasn't pronounced how it looked. <laughs> the English language is a beautiful thing. No rules. The only rules that exist have so many exceptions that they might as well not even be rules. I'm done. <laughs> Maddie will be reading the rest of the episode. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, well now we're going to get into the story. Um, okay, so one day at harvest time, during the reign of King Stephen, the villagers of Woolpit found two children. I feel like in the 12th century, this probably wasn't that uncommon. You just find kids. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. They just be walking around. <laughs> Their children, their children, (laughs) their parents just fucking left them like, (laughs) scamper on, little children. Uh, They were a brother and sister, and they had been living beside one of the two wolf pits that gave the village its name. Now, I don't understand why the village is not called Wolf Pit. It would be much cooler. It would be much cooler. I mean, Wool Pit, that makes me think of wool and sheep, which is fine, but Wolf Pit sounds much cooler you guys i've been meaning to talk to emily about this is an intervention i can't it's been happening so long yeah so they find these two kids by the wolf pits their skin was green they spoke an an unknown language and they wore very unfamiliar clothing According to the writers Ralph and William, the children were taken to the home of Richard de Calne, and it was a, it is agreed upon that both children refused all food in the initial days that they were found. So the only thing that the villagers could get them to eat were raw broad beans, which are in the pea family, as we just said. They appeared to eagerly eat the beans, <laughs> so they were really feeling it i don't know um just a fun fact broad beans are also called fava beans or faba beans so hannibal lecter fanatics take from that what you wish gradually the children did adapt to the new foods obviously their survival instinct kicked in they're like hey you're gonna perish if you don't eat So they started eating regular food and eventually lost the green color to their skin. So this is interesting and we're going to get into theories a little later, but the fact that their green skin color went away when they started eating the, what we would call normal foods, the normal foods to the villagers, they stopped only eating beans. Uh, That would also kind of correlate to the idea that the skin color is a result of diet. So, makes I don't sense. know. It, it makes sense. It correlates, I guess. We'll discuss more theories that are more fun than that later. So, at some point, the children are baptized. Obviously, there are no dates involved in this story. No. We barely know what year it was. Harvest time in the reign of King Stephen. So, yeah. This could, have, this could have been at any point. That's all you need to know, really. Um, so, soon after, the, soon after the baptism, the younger child dies. Consumption. He, it said he was sickly from the time they were found. So, it's really unclear how soon the younger child died. But, either way, he died. So, after the baptism... At some point, the older child, which is a girl, learned to speak English 
And once she was able to converse with the people of Woolpit, she explained that she and her brother were from a land called St. Martin's Land. She explained that the sun never shined there and the light was like light at twilight and everything there was green. This, I assume, is the explanation for their skin being green when they were first discovered. So... Just like little chameleons? Right, yeah. When they were in St. Martin's Land, the no sun, all the greenery around them, they were just green. Now they're in England where it's bleak and dreary. Yeah, they had no vitamin D. Yeah. So now they got... They're getting the sun on them. Maybe. Because it's England. Right. But... And they're just like, you know what? All of the green just went away. It's kind of sad. I know. I would like to just be green, I think. Be a real conversation starter. (laughs) Um, The girl was apparently unable to explain how she and her brother came to be in Woolpit. She said that they had been herding their father's cattle... They heard a loud noise and suddenly found themselves by the wolf pit where they were discovered. Okay. According to Ralph Coggeshall, the children were probably following the cattle into a cave and became lost. And they were guided by the sound of bells and eventually emerged from the cave into the land of wolf pit. All right. It's difficult to tell if Ralph actually believes that the children are from some alternate universe or if he thinks they are from somewhere else in in the general area and wandered into a cave and followed a tunnel that came out in Woolpit. I am not sure exactly how likely that would have been realistically in England. I don't don't know what the cave status is there or would have been in the 12th century. Were there just... Maybe abandoned mines? Were they mining in 12th century? I don't feel like they were. This is way, way pre-industrial era, so... There were, like, no fossil fuels happening. None. So... I mean, they could... They had probably, like... Were just getting in the habit of, like... Successfully starting fires all the time. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't think there was any mining happening. Yeah, I don't know. So... I don't, I don't know how the cave explanation could could account for anything. How, how many even know what that was? Yes, anyone out there? How many caves are in England? Chip, hey Chip, I need you to drop what you're doing and figure out the cave situation in England. What a, I don't know, Ralph. Come on. Again, according to Ralph. The girl continued to live with Richard DeCon and act as a servant in his household. She was described as being, quote, very wanton and impudent. Okay. But she eventually got married to a man from Kingsland, about 40 miles from Woolpit. Based on writer Duncan Lunan's research into Richard DeCon. In his family history, he concluded that the girl was likely named Agnes and married a royal official named Richard Barr. That's a cute little happy ending, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, she must not have been that wild if she married someone who was a royal official. I I don't know. Or maybe that's what attracted her, her husband. It's like, that one right there. She's wild. The cave thing is bothering me now. I'll cut this out so Chip can, of course, answer it. Yeah. (laughs) The cave. I don't, I just don't think that's fucking likely. I don't know. Well, nothing's loading because I have 5G coverage right now. Yeah, 5G fucking sucks. We'll just... So now we're going to get into some general explanations or the lack thereof. Mm -hmm. So neither Ralph of Cogshaw 
nor William of Newburgh offer an explanation for the strange and prodigious event, as William calls it, and some modern historia- historians have the same... Maddie, you have to stop using these big words. Reticence. Reticence. Um, this is a quote. I consider the process of worrying over the suggestive detail of these wonderfully pointless miracles in an effort to find natural or psychological explanations of what really, if anything, happened to be useless to the study of William of Newburgh or, for that matter, of the Middle Ages. Um, That was Nancy Partner, who was an author of a study of 12th century history. I've never seen that word. Historiography. Historiography. Mm-hmm. That seems like a made-up word. Yeah. 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 <clears throat> Nonetheless, such explanations continue to be sought, and two approaches have dominated explanations of the mystery of these kids, of course. Duh. The first is that the narrative descends from folklore, describing an imaginary encounter with the inhabitants of a fairy otherworld. Yep adorable that's i mean that's amazing in a few early and modern readings this other world is extraterrestrial and the green children are of course aliens duh the second is that it is a garbled account of a real event although it is impossible to be certain whether the story as recorded is an authentic report given by the children or an adult invention Right. People could have been bored. They could have been. They could have found two perfectly normal children and then all of a sudden they're green and they speak unknown languages. And only eat beans. And only eat beans raw. (laughs) Charles Oman, in a study of accounts of children and servants fleeing from their masters, that's very specific to get into. Super specific. Um, concludes that there is clearly some mystery behind it all. Some story of drugging and kidnapping. Whoa, okay. He took a turn. He did. He took it dark. And then Jeffrey Jerome Cohen, who is a literary critic, offers a different kind of historical explanation, arguing that the story is an oblique account of the racial difference between the contemporary English and the indigenous Britons. Right. So, Cohen is taking this back to colonialism. Basically, the green children are kind of like colloquialisms for indigenous people, which seems pretty racist. Yeah. And then the villagers are the conquering entity. That makes sense. Yeah. So it's all like a metaphor for colonialism? Could be. Hmm. Seems a little too studied for 12th century England, though. Because if they were... William of Newburgh and Ralph of Coggeshaw were talking about this still in the 12th century. Right. So it just seems like that's something that 2022 eyes would take from that story i don't think it's something that 12th century historians would take from that story yeah because in the 12th century colonialism was not even a term right so i think jeffrey jerome cohen he's he's looking at this through a contemporary lens when you really can't if you're trying to get to the root of the story of the green children and if it was just a fairy tale or if it was an actual event that was just twisted to seem fanciful he's looking for a deeper meaning that just probably isn't there yeah it's a reach it's such a reach yeah because really England wasn't fully settled until mm, 
1100 really i have no idea i'm thinking back to i took old english in undergrad and um part of that is obviously it's the orange origins of the english language and we didn't really start using old english until uh, between 10 and 1100 because before that england wasn't even settled really so i mean i have no fucking clue (laughs) (laughs) i can't even add to that conversation (laughs) either way colonialism was not a term in 12th century england let's just leave it there okay so let's talk about the fun stuff and that's the folklore I think this is the fun part. No, the theories are way down there. Fuck. Anyway, the the folklore is fun. So 20th century scholars of folklore, like Charles Amon, have noted that one element of the children's accounts, the entry into a different reality by way of a cave, seems to have been quite popular. This I did not know. Gerald of Wales... See, why don't we name ourselves like this anymore? (laughs) Instead of surnames that are passed down from the family, why doesn't your last name just tell people where you're from? I don't know. Whatever. Uh, Anyway, so Gerald of Wales was a medieval historian. He tells a similar story about a boy who was escaping his master encountered two now this term i did not put in here it was already in here pygmies i know that that's a horrible term anyway who led him through an underground passage into a beautiful land with fields and rivers but not lit by the full light of the sun so that is a quote from gerald of wales talking about a boy so the obviously an underground passage and a cave tunnel are very similar but nobody pointed out that in gerald's story this other land is also not lit by the by the sun yeah so the green children their land was basically the light of twilight all the time right and this one is not lit by the full light of the sun. I think that is more similar than the cave thing. Yeah. That I, Well, it's maybe a more specific and unique detail. Yeah. Because if you're going, if you're saying that your land that you're from is subterranean, there has to be a tunnel going from up to down. Right. <laughs> But the sun element is not necessary. So that's interesting. Um, but this motif of the tunnel is apparently poorly attested. E.W. Bauman lists it as the only example of his category of English and North American folktale motifs. So Bauman says, quote, inhabitants of lower world visit mortals and continue to live with them. So that's kind of a motif in North American folktales and English folktales. So I guess it was a popular kind of theme at the time. It seems to be. I mean, I'm still down for this theme as well. Lower world visit mortals and then just stay with them. Cool. Uh, Martin Walsh considers the references to St. Martin to be significant and sees the story of the green children as evidence that the Feast of Martinmas, I think that's a holiday, has its origins in an English Aboriginal past of which the children's story forms, quote, the lowest stratum. So basically, like, the most, the simplest explanation of 
um, a contributor to notes and queries in 1900 suggested a Celtic connection stating that green spirits are sinless in Celtic literature and tradition. So it may be more than a coincidence that the green girl marries a man of King's Lynn. Here the original word would be lean, evil, i.e. the pure fairy marries a sinful child of earth. Okay. Hmm. Weird. Yeah. Celtic, I don't know too, too much about Celtic literature or tradition. But cool. The pure fairy marries the sinful child of earth. Great. Uh, let's see. A modern version of the tale links the green children with the babes in the wood. I've all I don't know much about fairy tales apparently cuz none of these ring a bell to me. No. I've read Grimm's fairy tales. Well, you know, that's like Cinderella and stuff. Yeah. Have you ever read the original Cinderella tale? No. It's fucking dark. Yeah. You know like the part where they bring the glass slipper and the stepsisters try it on and it doesn't fit because their feet are too big. In the original tale, when they try to put the shoe on the stepsisters and their the shoe doesn't fit because their foot is too big, they cut off parts of their feet to make their feet fit in the shoe. Jeez. What the fuck? God damn. It's so dark. Anyway. <laughs> so the babe is in the wood. Although there are differing stories, a common motif is that they are left or taken to die in the woods, often identified as Wayland Wood or Theftford Forest, after being poisoned with arsenic by their uncle. The arsenical poisoning resulted in their coloration. They became further linked with the Woolpit children after escaping the woods but falling into the pits before their ultimate discovery. Okay, interesting. So they are never found. <laughs> How does the story get out then? Um, local author and folk singer Bob Roberts states in his 1978 book, A Slice of Suffolk, that, quote, I was told there are still people in Woolpit who are descended from the green children, but nobody would tell me who they are. <laughs> oh, that would be weird, right? Um, other commentators have suggested that the children may have been aliens, duh, I mean, duh, or inhabitants of a world beneath the earth. In 1996 article published in the magazine Analog, astronomer Duncan Lunin hypothesized that the children were accidentally transported to Woolpit from their home planet as a result of a matter transmitter malfunction. Okay. Hmm. All right, Duncan. Duncan also suggests that the planet from which the children were expelled may be trapped in a synchronous orbit around its sun, presenting the conditions for life only in a narrow twilight zone. The twilight zone. <laughs> Between a fiercely hot surface and a frozen dark side. He explains the children's green coloration as a side effect of consuming the genetically modified alien plants eaten by the planet's inhabitants. So far, this is the best opinion yeah. out there. So uh, It seems the most likely. The rest uh, are too boring. Uh, yes. Yeah. The, I, yeah, the rest are super boring. Whatever. Um, yeah, so Duncan, you have my full support. Although Duncan was not the first to state that the green children may have been extraterrestrials, Robert Burton suggested in 1621, so a long-ass time ago, in The Anatomy of Melancholy that the green children, quote, fell from heaven, an idea that seems to have been picked up by Francis Godwin, historian and bishop of Hereford, in his speculative fiction, The Man in the Moon, published posthumously after his death in 1638, Godwin's repeating the children's reference to Martinus, confused Catholic Gunsales? I don't know what that word is. Good for me. 
Cool. The book's main character, according to William Poole, and likewise confused some later scholars who thought it was a reference to Martin Luther. Martinus. Okay. Hmm. Weird. So people are out here arguing about this story. Since the 12th century. I just feel like it's not that big of a deal. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, I mean, it's not, but... Because, I mean, the, like, the main story in general is not that much happened. No. Almost nothing happened. Yeah. So it's like, why are people holding on to this so much? Yeah. I mean, they found some kids, and they were green. Yeah, who gives a fuck? <laughs> who cares? <laughs> um, so now we're going to get into, like, the history. This whole thing is history. Yeah. Many Flemish immigrants arrived in eastern England during the 12th century, and they were persecuted after Henry II became king in 1154. A large number of them were killed near Bury St. Edmunds in 1173 at the Battle of Fornham, fought between Henry II and Robert de Beaumont, who was the third Earl of Leicester. Okay. Um, Paul Harris has suggested that the Green children's Flemish parents perished during a period of civil strife and that the children may have come from the village of Fornham St. Martin, mm. which was slightly to the north of Bury St. Edmunds, where a settlement of Flemish Fullers existed at that time. They may have fled and ultimately wandered into Woolpit. They were disoriented, bewildered, and dressed in unfamiliar Flemish clothes, and the children would have presented a very strange spectacle to the Woolpit villagers. Mm. Um, their color could be explained by green sickness, which is just a result of dietary deficiencies if they were only eating beans. Boring. And this seems to have at least some merit, considering it is reported that the green hue to their skin went away once they began eating a more balanced diet. Yeah, okay. But they're aliens, so. Yeah, I don't want to deal with realistic explanations. No. No. We could just skip over those for the rest of the episode. I mean, we could. Yeah. Brian Houghton considers Harris's explanation to be plausible, and for one most widely accepted, and the one most widely accepted, although not without its difficulties. For instance, he suggests it is unlikely that an educated local man like Richard de Calm would not have recognized the language spoken by the children as being Flemish. That's true. That makes sense. Especially if they were within walking distance. Right. <laughs> They'd be like, I mean, wouldn't they be like, I, these kids probably belong to that, like, village up the way. Yeah. I don't know what's wrong with them, but... I don't know why they're green, but they have to have come from over there. Yeah. Historian Derek Brewer's explanation is even more... Pro is it prosaic? Mm-hmm. Even more prosaic. The likely core of the matter is that these very small children, herding and following flocks, strayed from their forest village. They spoke little, and in modern terms, did not know, know their own address. Yeah, I mean, essentially. They were probably suffering from chlorosis, which is a, defi a deficiency disease which gives the skin a greenish tint, hence the term green sickness, um, and once you're on a better diet, it disappears. I like the term chlorosis. Oh, I said chlorosis, didn't I? I bet it is chlorosis. Yeah, it's chlorosis. I put emphasis on the wrong letter. God. Um, I like the word, but... Jeffrey Jerome Cohen proposes that the story is about racial difference, which we talked about earlier. Yes, we did. Um, we could probably skip over this, I guess. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, Jeffrey of Monmouth offers accounts of previous kings and kingdoms of various ethnic identities, whereas William's England is one in which all peoples are either assimilated or pushed to the boundaries. 
According to Cohen, the Green Children represented a dual intrusion into William's unified vision of England. On one hand, they are a reminder of the ethnic and cultural differences between Normans and Anglo-Saxons, given the children's claim to have come from St. Martin's Land, named after Martin of Tours. The only other time William mentions the saint is in reference to St. Martin's Abbey in Hastings, which commemorates the Norman victory in 1066. That year seems fake. Yeah, 1066? Yeah. I know. See, I was correct. It was between 10 and 11. Yeah. Yes. Old Um, English coming back at you. But the children also embody the earlier inhabitants of the British Isles, the Welsh and Irish and Scots who had been forcibly anglicized. I almost just use this as a mouse. (laughs) The green children resurface another story that William had been unable to tell, one in which English peninsular dominion becomes a troubled assumption rather than a foregone conclusion. Peninsular? Like a peninsula? Um, no, it's pan-insular. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for that. The boy in particular who dies rather than becomes assimilated represents an adjacent world that cannot be annexed, an otherness that will perish to endure. Great. That's very, like, they're doing the most right there perish to endure you know he dies so the story continues whatever we get it thank you now we're we're finally to the theories people we're finally here this episode is long i think we're gonna call this the roanoke complex because we thought that episode was gonna be short and then it turned out to be really fucking long Okay, so we're going to fly through these theories. First is the chlorosis. And it's all actually the technical term is hypochromic anemia. And it's also referred to as green sickness. It's obviously the skin tint sometimes presents in patients in addition to more general symptoms such as lack of energy, shortness of breath, uh diaspepsia, headaches, a capricious or scanty appetite, and amenorrhea. Um, Green sickness may be caused by vitamin B6 deficiency, low iron intake, diminished iron absorption, or excessive iron loss. It can be caused by infections or other diseases, therapeutic drugs, copper toxicity, and lead poisoning. It sounds like this, it could plausibly explain green skin. Sure. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, Also, the second theory is arsenic poisoning. Also makes sense. Does arsenic poisoning make your skin green? I feel like it could. Okay, cool. Really any color, probably. Yeah. Sure. Mm, Okay, so Flemish and immigrants. We discussed this above. Flemish immigrants fled from the village of Fordham St. Martin. If you will recall, when the girl learned English, she told Richard DeCalne that the land she came from was called St. Martin's. Again, plausible. I think this this theory could exist in conjunction with the green sickness theory. This one goes more into the displacement of the children, whereas the green sickness explains the green skin tone. So they could live in the same world. Right. Obviously. Both could be happening here. Both could be happening. Um, But the clear forerunner for theories is aliens. Of course. The aliens theory applies to any mystery. Let's be honest. Um, What happened in the Bermuda Triangle? Well, it's aliens. Where are the people from Roanoke? Also aliens. Mm -hmm. The green children? Again, aliens. Mm Mm-hmm. It fits. If it's everything, obviously, just to be clear, we we don't have to mean the traditional green, large head alien situation. No. 
I feel like there could be tons of different looking aliens out there. Exactly. There are tons of different aliens. They don't all have to be that one idea of aliens. Right. So, it could be that these children are indeed from a fantasy world where everyone is green. Yeah. But look humanoid in every other aspect. They're just green. I don't see why that can't be a thing. Exactly. Exactly. Um... Now, obviously, we have to account for the fact that their sc- their skin stopped being green after a while. Well, obviously, the diet. The diet explains the skin going from green. I'm assuming that it went to white. It's never explicitly stated, but... Yeah, probably. It, you know... They're English people. I'm guessing it's white. So after their skin lost its green color because of diet, well, in their other fantasy land, they probably ate something else. Yeah. And the atmosphere is probably much different in their home realm. I would assume so. Yeah. I mean, it's probably similar enough that they their bodies could adapt to the Earth's atmosphere. I feel like aliens are probably very versatile in that aspect. Yeah, they're probably extremely adaptable. And they... Maybe that's why the boy was sick and didn't make it. Because his body didn't adapt as quickly. Mm -hmm. But the girl seemed to be stronger. Right. So she adapted to the earth and continued on here to live a very happy life. Maybe she, she could also be immortal. She could be. Aliens could be immortal. Yeah, she could just be out here living still. Reading all these accounts of the green children, like... (laughs) Yeah, they'll never know. They'll never know. Exactly. She's just living among us. Yeah. That's probably... That is probably the explanation. Yeah, it has to be. It has to be. Fuck all the rest of what we said. That's right. We don't don't need to listen to the historians because, you know what? They're very narrow-minded. Yeah. They're like, oh, they're Flemish. Nah. No. They're no. alien. They're they're definitely not Flemish. They're probably just plant fairies from an Earth-like alternative realm. And their home is a jubilee of different types of fairies and magical creatures. Yeah. A little bit of everything. Just a little everything, yeah. We've got, like, water fairies that are blue... Tree fairies. Tree fairies that are brown. Fire sprites that are little and they're red and constantly have like a hair of flame happening. Yeah. These must be like meadow fairies or something. Yeah. Yeah. Or aliens. Right. What do you think? Oh, listener out there. It's not like you'll tell us, but yeah, we like to put the question out there. We're going to pose the question anyway. So that's the green children. Yes. We hope you enjoyed it. It's a yeah. fun, fun little story. It's a fun story. And uh, next week won't be so fun. Mm. Oh, yeah. I was like, wait, what are we talking about next week? <laughs> Duh. Uh, I also forgot what, what we talked about last week. GRK. Yeah. <sighs> but Maybe I have mad cow disease and my brain is not working anymore. Or chlorosis. I could have chlorosis. I wish I was green, though. Yeah. If I had chlorosis, like... That's a bummer. Green. I mean, baby's gonna be yellow now. Because of jaundice. Jaundice, yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's it. That's all. A lot of different theories and, uh, you know, ideas about a very small event that could or could not have occurred. Yep. May or may not have happened. So let us know what you think. Yeah. What do you think of the green children? Um, also, while you're thinking about the green children, you can also subscribe to our show. Please. Share us with your friends. Rate us five stars on Apple Podcasts. 
and write us a review if you're so inclined yeah please won't take you too long yeah all you have to do is like do a little heart emoji that's acceptable it's literally it that's all and Haley and ariel we love you dearly yep thank you thank you thank you thank you (laughs) (laughs) i was trying to suppress that one still happened though are your hands cold yeah my hands are always cold yeah my hands are typically cold but i will like put them like in between my legs yeah that sounds weird this is like the perfect temperature right now though it's not hot yeah just slightly warm slightly warm okay um so we're gonna catch you guys on the flip side yeah (laughs) um so in the interim please be kind and stay weird uh bye. bye